Welcome to Ag State of Mind, a podcast that examines the stresses affecting producers of agriculture and how to alleviate these stresses and improve farmers' lives. In this podcast, we discuss openly the mental health crisis that is occurring in the agricultural community and what we can do to help turn it around. Now here's your host, Jason Meadows. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Ag State of Mind podcast, a proud member of the Global Ag Network. I am your host, as always, Jason Meadows. And today I have the special treat of talking to my friend, Jake Renner. Jake is, I've known him through social media, and we actually got to meet at NCBA uh, 2020, right before the right before the world shut down, and we were in San Antonio. I met him with my son, and uh, we've stayed in close contact ever since. And uh, he's going to tell us a little bit about his journey through the ag sector, and you know how it is such a unique journey. And it's something that I don't want to give anything away here in the intro, but it's something that I feel is an important conversation to be had in the ag industry. And uh, I appreciate Jake coming on, sharing his story, and being such an open advocate. Um, and I appreciate the fact that we can sit down and have this conversation. And Jake is actually joining me via the phone from his hayfield because, as staying true to this this concept of rural America and the struggles that we go through in rural America, he's sitting in the middle of a hayfield because that's the only place he can get service. So, uh, Jake, welcome to the Ag State of Mind podcast. Thanks, Jason. It's it's truly a pleasure to be a part of of your growing, um, you know, following and being able to have this platform to help share my story in the hopes that, you know, later down the road it'll help somebody else share theirs or at least feel confident enough to live their story truthfully and honestly. Sure, sure. So, are do you before we get started? Before uh, and you kind of tell me your background. Do you still work for the Gelby Association? I do. I do. Yep. I am okay. I thought on. so. I just, but I didn't say that in the intro. Cause like, wait, does he still, I couldn't remember. So, but okay, <laughs> yep. good. Yep. Yep. Still with the Gelby association, still running the junior program. So been with them about three and a half years now. Cool. Cool. Well, I know you and I have lots of, I mean, not just friend, you know, you and I haven't just connected and met and uh, become friends over the last few years, but we have lots of mutual friends as well. Uh, a lot of them through the Gelby Association. So uh, I find it funny yeah. because I'm I'm not a Gelby Association member. I, you know, I've had some Gelby cross bulls before, but it's just, it's funny in a, the, the world's small enough, but when you have it agriculture, then within the cattle industry, uh, it becomes like really, really small all of a sudden. Yes, it does. Yeah. It seems like uh, you know, and for somebody like me, and, and I'm sure we'll get into it here in a little while, especially when we go over my background, um, for somebody who I still consider myself fairly new to the industry, uh, you know, from the outside looking in, it seems like it's this massive world that is impossible to get into. It's impossible to make a name for yourself. It's impossible to know which direction you're going to go or which direction you are going to serve the industry best. But once you really dive in and you just, you know, follow your heart, follow your passion um, into the industry, regardless of what sector it may be, you really do find out exactly how small that that corridor is. Uh, it does have many doors within it. The, you know, the hallway we walk in agriculture gets tighter and tighter and the connections we make, conferences, conventions, livestock shows, um, you know, social media, of course, it just, it really shows you how tight knit this community is and how, you know, knowing one person really puts you in the hands of a thousand other people just right. by a simple handshake. Right. Right. So go ahead and tell us a little bit about your background and then we'll kind of get into the reason why we decided to have this conversation in the first place. Sure. Yeah. So, um, I am what I, I've kind of coined it and I'm by no means I'm calling it a trademark, but um, I'm kind of, I kind of coined myself as a transplant to the industry. Uh, I was adopted into it shortly after middle school. I, I grew up in South Central Kansas about an hour, about an hour from the Oklahoma line, uh, about four hours from both sides of Missouri and Colorado um, on 54 and a small town called Pratt. Now I call it small. I realize that you're, you're from a smaller town, Jason. 
Um, mm-hmm. And I currently live in a smaller town, an unincorporated town at that, uh, but small rural community in South Central Kansas. Um, grew up in town. I am a generation removed from the agricultural industry, which is why I call myself a transplant. My dad grew up raising um, hogs, sheep, cattle, um, crops there, uh, about 15 miles from where I was raised. Uh, my mom grew up in the same town as my dad growing up, but she was she was living in town. Um, so we are a generation removed, uh, but we were not raised in the agricultural community. Um, I'm the youngest of four uh, within a split marriage, and so I, I do have some step siblings. So all in all, there are nine of us total. Uh, well, ten. Excuse me, we got ten. My dad just got remarried, and, and I brought in a new stepsister. I'm officially not the youngest, which is ex- you have a new stepsister that's about a year or two younger than I am. Um, but we, again, we were not raised in the agricultural community, fortunate enough to have a lot of friends that were involved with 4-H, uh, growing up, we didn't have an SFA program at the time. And I was approached by one of my friends actually on my swim team. And she had mentioned how they were doing the county fair. It was coming up. They raised sheep on their, uh, farm. And she said that I should jump into 4-H. And so I thought, sure, why not? I jumped in and arts and crafts, so on and so forth. Um, the next year I said, well, could I start showing sheep? And her parents, absolutely. They lived about 15 miles from us. And I, I was driving at the time. So I said, I can make that happen. And my parents were there. They're, I, I don't want to say verbatim, but it was pretty close to, we're not taking you. So if you want to do it, you got to do the work. And, you know, I think um, how a lot of people in the industry are raised is, you know, if you want to do it, that's fine. And that's great. But it, it takes a lot of work and, and a lot of responsibility and a lot of dedication. Um, so I did that for a few years. Um, shortly before my um, senior year of high school, I had a family that raises beef cattle approach me and they had asked if I would be interested in showing beef cattle. And I thought, you know, that's absolutely terrifying going from sheep to beef cattle. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm, you, you know, your kids know your kids are younger and, you know, I know that you guys show sheep and, and, and raise cattle, but um, for me, it was, it was actually pretty terrifying. And I actually didn't touch a, touch a, a steer or a heifer until I was 18 years old. Um, I'm 31 now. So that's why I say I'm still fairly new to the industry. Um, but as soon as I, as soon as I took that opportunity and I started exhibiting beef cattle, um, and learning more about the industry and the people that lie within it, the, the more I was hooked. Um, and I've, I've honestly, I've never looked back. I, I grew up thinking I wanted to be a teacher and, um, you know, God bless the teachers out there and the teachers that have been, um, they're God sent and, you know, I just, I can't praise them enough. Um, but when I went to college, I, I attended Fort Hay State University, which is right along I said, Northwestern Kansas, uh, graduated in 2013 with a degree in animal science. And then shortly a stint down in Texas and then jumped into extension back in Kansas for a number of years. And while I was working in extension, I had the opportunity to go back and get my master's and, um, you know, I'm, I'm one of those people that if a door is open and I have an opportunity to jump through it, I'm certainly going to. Um, and so I, I did exactly that. And it was a long process. It took me about four years because I was, I was doing it pretty slow, just one class at a time and completely virtual. But I ended up receiving my master's in agricultural education and communication from Kansas State University, Go Cats. Um, finally got to walk in 2021. I actually graduated in 2020 during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, defending my thesis and all of that virtually, which is an experience not many people get to do. Um, definitely wasn't what we had planned when I'd started in 2016, but we made it happen. Um, and with while I was working on my master's, I did make the transition to my current position, which I've been in for about three and a half years. Um, and I currently work for the American Gelby Association, which is, I believe we're sitting around the fifth or sixth largest beef breed association in the U.S. Um, we represent, I currently represent just over 400 kids between the ages of eight and 21 all across the United States and some in the Canada. And so I, I do a lot of work on the youth development and leadership side for the Gelby Association right now. Yeah, it's pretty wild that you work directly with one of my neighbors. I mean, literal neighbor. I mean, she lives just five miles down the road from me in uh, Hadley Catcher side. Uh, so it's yep. just, it's, 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 it's so, again, it goes back to like how small this world can become, you know, when you get like, you know, people who are involved and interested in the same things. Yep. Yeah, it is. It's, and, it, and it's, 
you know, obviously we're from the Midwest, you and I, you know, I'm originally from Kansas, you're in Missouri. Um, and just within, you know, looking at the Galvey world, uh, you know, the Midwest is certainly the most popular area. And for me on the junior side, Missouri is one of my largest states. Um, and so when I, you know, when I, I got to know you and found out where you were from, I thought, well, gosh, I've got some kids in that area. And then the mm-hmm. more I look at it, it was, you know, we've got quite a few kids, not just, you know, right down the road from you, but in the town next door. I hear a lot of kids that are talking about Rolla, Missouri, and it's like, oh, you know, mm-hmm. I've got connections there. So mm-hmm. yeah, the the door or the window is 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 open, and it's just the world is just so small once you step out there. Yeah, it, it really is. So you actually, we, you and I have kind of had this discussion over Messenger over the last couple of months, and you have something that's kind of a unique identifier in the fact that you yourself are are a gay man. And that that can put up a lot of barriers, both both real and perceived in this industry. So I kind of want to talk, want you to kind of take me through that, what that's been like and, you know, the the lessons you've learned, the the hard and the good and and just kind of I just want to just know what your lived experiences is with that. Yeah, so. so it's one of those things that, you know, especially when I when I do talk to people um, about being openly gay and in the agricultural community, um, it's, it's one of those things that I guess the first thing I have to do is kind of tell you who I was before I was in the agricultural community and who I was before I became, you know, Jake, the, the junior coordinator, um, Jake, the extension agent. Um, and so I, I, I came out and, uh, and it's, it's one of those things for me and and I guess, and, and Jason, we had kind of talked about it shortly uh, uh, earlier today, I believe, actually. Um, I think it's important to remember um, for your listeners that, um, you know, whether they are a part of the LGBTQ community or not, um, you know, my story is mine. My experiences mm-hmm. are mine and my opinions are mine. And so I, I don't want anybody out there to think that I'm speaking on behalf of the LGBTQ community. Um, we all live very different lives, um, whether we are or we are not a part of that commu- that specific community. Um, and so just kind of wanting to preface, I guess, the whole conversation today with, you know, these, these are my experiences, this is my perception, and this is, um, you know, the way I choose to live my life as an openly gay man in the agriculture community. Um, sure. But in saying that, I, so I, I kind of, choose to serve or choose to celebrate, excuse me, kind of two birthdays. You know, I I get my birthday, um, which is in August. um, And that's the birthday that we all celebrate. That's the day that we were born, the day that we came into the world. Um, And then the second day that I celebrate every year is the day that I came out. And I I came out January 25th, 2015. Um, And for anybody that is in the LGBTQ community, they celebrate that too, whether they, you know, go out and, you know, have a cake and have a party or whether they just choose to remember that day, because it is, it is something that we, we don't forget. We remember every conversation. Um, we remember what we were wearing. We remember where we were. Um, and so it was one of those days that, um, you know, I, I thought about it long and hard for a very, very long time. Um, and I got to a point where every time that I told myself, well, Jake, what if, what if they don't like me? What if they don't accept me? What if I, what if I get fired? What if mm-hmm. my parents disown me? What if I don't ever see some of my friends again? And for me, the day I knew that I was ready was the day that every, the answer to every single one of those questions was, and then I'll be okay. And so um, it, it's not something that people do easily. It's not something that people do freely. Even today when being out and proud, regardless of what sector of which, whichever letter, I guess you, you um, associate with within the LGBTQ community. um, It's, it's something that you, you do proudly. And, and, you know, I, everyone, you know, gay pride is a thing. Um, We all celebrate it on different, on a, on a spectrum, I guess, if for lack of better terms. Um, and so before that, I guess my biggest fear is coming out at that time, I was a 4-H agent back in Kansas. Um, and one, I'll tell you, you know, 
I, I have a very supportive family. Um, they were not supportive. Not all of them were su- supportive from day one. Um, and I had to remind myself through that journey that it took me 24 years to be okay with who I was. I could not expect other people to be okay with it just because I said the words out loud. Mm. I had to be okay with giving people the time and the space to come to terms with it on their own because I wasn't okay with it on my own for so very long. Um, I I do have a very strong support system now, both family and friends um, and in the professional world. Um, But aside from being afraid of my family's, or my family being, you know, unreceptive and my friends, my biggest fear was that if I came out and if I showed the world who I was, given the role that I was serving at the time as a 4-H agent, my biggest fear was that there was going to be families that would choose to, um, I, I'm trying to think of the best word for it. They, they would choose to no longer allow their children to experience programs like 4-H, um, you know, and that also, you know, encompasses FFA, mm-hmm. Junior Breed Association work, so on and so forth. My biggest fear was that if I came out and I showed the world who I was in that role, kids were no longer going to get to experience the opportunities that lie within this industry because their parents may not agree with who I am. Their mm-hmm. parents may not agree with, you know, sending their kids on a van or in a van with me to take them to 4-H camp, or, you know, they may not want their kids to shake my hand. Um, I am very fortunate. And I know that there are so many people that live in this community, live in the LGBTQ community that are not as fortunate. Um, But I, you know, if I'm being perfectly transparent, that was in my top two fears was that I was going to lose kids and kids were not going to get to experience this industry to its full extent at their age because somebody else didn't agree with who I was as a person. And so Mm -hmm. that was, that was probably my biggest hurdle at the time. Um, Like I said, I've, I've had a lot of support. I have had hard days, um, both self-inflicted and, you know, externally. Um, But at the end of the day, I still continue to know who I am. I'm proud of who I am and I'm proud of what I bring to the table and I choose to live by the notion that if you're not okay with it, that's okay. Mm. We don't have to, we can sit at the same table and eat a different meal. That's okay. We don't have to agree on everything. At the end of the day, though, we are, we being members of the, you know, LGBTQ community, we are people and we have things to offer. Mm-hmm. And I think within this industry, and it, it is, you know, and again, I've only been in a short time, but, you know, I remember watching a commercial. Um, it's been a while, but, and it, it was related to um, the strength in women um, as professionals and in, in their industries, whatever those may be, or those may be. Um, and some may remember it, but the, I, I think the phrase was, if you can see her, you can be her. And I just, I, I loved that commercial, but it also made me question a lot of things because you don't see a lot of gay men in agriculture or women, um, or at least I didn't growing up. And so therefore I didn't think there were any, um, Mm -hmm. but you know, I'm sitting here now and I'm telling you, we're out there. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a ton of us that are are leading national level organizations, both men and women, a part of the LGBTQ community, whether they are out or they're not, we're here and we're doing great things. And the, the reception that we've received 20 years ago is not what we're getting now. People are a lot more accepting because they're starting to understand kind of like what I just said, we're people and Mm -hmm. we bring a lot to the table and Mm -hmm. I don't think it matters. It shouldn't matter, I guess, what I do after five o'clock or who I sit down at the table with in my house that it, it, it doesn't matter what I'm doing professionally or, you know, who I raise cattle with versus who you raise cattle with, you know, so on and so forth. Um, but that's definitely something that we struggle with every day. That's something that I struggle with every day is, you know, every time that I walk into the sale barn um, with my partner, Kevin, 
when, when we walk into a sale barn and he introduces me to somebody that he's known for years and he's also openly out, um, it's something that I, I still, I kind of panic a little bit and I have to mm. really, really focus on, you know, was my voice too high? Did I shake their hand <laughs> too strong or not yeah. strong enough? Yeah. I mean, it's little things like I mean, that. I don't, I don't mean to laugh, but I mean, I'm sure th- those are things that you worry about. It is. And it is, it is comical, Jason. It really is. Um, if you would have, if you would have asked me, um, you know, prior to January 25th, 2015, if I thought that was funny, I wouldn't laugh, but now it is because I've, I've been able to be strong enough and confident enough in who I am. Um, but still, you know, every time you meet somebody new, especially within this industry, uh, you know, male or female, I'm just as intimidated by the females in this industry that have made a name for themselves and that are doing amazing things, whether that's just on their operations or they're leading those national level organizations. I still, every time I have to introduce myself to them, I, if I were to look in a mirror, I would still see that high school kid uh, terrified that some, somebody was going to know who I am. Mm-hmm. And so that, you know, I, I, I do, I think about those things, you know, how am I standing? Am, am, am I, am I dressed okay? Or are they going to think something about me? Um, but then, you know, those fears are quickly dissipated when they ask me questions that, you know, I know the answer to, and I'm confident about, and it's not that it's a quiz every time I meet somebody, but it, it just instills in me that confidence. And it reminds me that, you know, I'm where I'm supposed to be because I've taken the time to learn this industry as much as I can. And I share a passion that they do. And I think that's when a lot of those connections are made is when people, whether they know that I'm openly gay or not, when they realize that I share the same passions that they do, mm-hmm. whether that's raising beef cattle or raising sheep or, um, you know, leadership, youth development, um, running, those sort of things. When you share a passion with somebody, the rest is kind of null and void in my opinion. And a lot of people kind of get that way. And, and I think when a lot of people get to know me without knowing that I'm openly gay, and then once they find out, it's kind of like, oh, and, and I kind of want to ask some people at that time, you know, did you change your mind about me? And when their answer is like, well, no. And it's like, exactly. You know, I'm the same person that you knew before you knew. It's just now, you know, if that, if that makes any sure. sense at all. So do you find it beneficial to, to, to like structure the conversation like we did today where we talked, where we, you tell me about who you are, what you do, where you've been. Um, and then you, and then you talk about how that you're a gay man. I mean, is that how you prefer it? Or do you like to like say it from the beginning? How, how I'm just, I'm just curious, I think, um, because yeah. I think I, I think I have a pretty good idea, but I'm just curious that your thoughts on that. Yeah. So and <laughs> now, now here I am laughing because it's, again, it's one of those things that I, I say, it and, and I hope nobody takes offense to it, but it's, I guess to answer, let me answer the question first. So I don't lead with it for, mm-hmm. for multiple reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I mean, I, you know, we'll have a conversation, um, but I'm, I'm very open and I'm very honest, you know, if, if people are going to ask and, and they do, especially in the, in the world that I live in, the role that I serve, you know, I meet a lot of people from all over the country. Um, I meet a lot of breeders, a lot of juniors, a lot of, you know, industry professionals and, what's the question that everybody wants to know? Oh, well, what do you do for fun? You know, do you guys raise cattle, you know, so on and so forth. Um, I'm very quick to, you know, to kind of yes and no to your, your question. I usually start with, well, my partner, Kevin and I, we, you know, Mm, we raise commercial cattle in, in Tennessee between Memphis and Nashville. Uh, We also have sheep. And so I, I, I do try to kind of throw that out there um, right away, just so that there is no, kind of shock value later mm-hmm. to, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm sure that is a shock value, sure, itself, sure, sure. Uh, regardless of what time that would come out in the conversation. But, um, you know, yeah, I, I, I want them to be out and open and honest then because later down that story, or, you know, as we're talking in the, you know, the same conversation or a week later, a month later, or in our case here, we are two, three years later. Um, you know, when I reference Kevin, I want everybody to know that Kevin's not my coworker. Kevin's not my brother. Kevin is not my uncle. Kevin is my life partner. Um, And so, yeah, I I do. I kind of lead with that. Um, But it's not something that, and so I guess that's my way 
of letting people know. Um, and if they catch on to it, great. If they don't, so be it. I'm still going to reference Kevin. Um, but I I don't come out and I don't say, you know, you know, hi, I'm Jake. Uh, I'm gay. And I, I raise cattle and I work for, um, you know, a beef breed association. And the reason I don't do that, the reason I don't, I choose not to say, hi, I'm Jake, I'm gay is because, um, and as elementary as it sounds, but I do it, I don't do that because do you ever walk up to anybody that you've met at a convention and say, hi, I'm Jason Meadows and I'm straight. Yeah. No, I don't. Of course. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You don't. And so therefore, why should I, um, and not that I ever feel forced to, or feel like I'm supposed to, but that's, that's my perception of that, that type of conversation. And that's why I choose the Avenue I go. And I, I, talk about my my partner Kevin and um rather than saying I'm gay because if I say my partner Kevin it's up to you to determine what sure. I mean by partner sure. sure and not everybody's open to the follow-up question I am not everybody may be so I guess if you're on the receiving end of a a, a conversation like that you know you you may be a little careful I guess um by how you phrase any follow-up questions, but, um, I guess I kind of choose to leave that up for their interpretation after I make the statements. So I feel like I have a little bit of a relatability in this, um, in the fact that I, okay. And this is something that I don't know. I never felt shame, but I felt like very scared of how people would perceive. Um, and that's my religion. Uh, I'm LDS, I'm Mormon. Um, Mm -hmm. and I know, I know people have preconceived stereotypes, what, whatever you, you know, whatever the correct word is for that, you know, they have a, they have an idea in their mind of what they think Mormons are. And that's why I, like you, I don't come out and say, say it right out. I, Mm -hmm. I, I talk more about who I am, what I do my family, that sort of thing. If, if I, but I never shy away from the topic, you know, um, I don't right. necessarily lead with it. And I know this is, you know, religion and your lifestyle is, I, I guess they're not really, honestly, they're not really that different of things uh, because it is, it is my lifestyle. Mm-hmm. It's probably a little more widely accepted than your lifestyle is. Um, but still, it's, it's still, you, you almost, at first you have to, you're almost on the defensive about your lifestyle. Um, but then more, the more you get into it and the more comfortable and the more it becomes a part of you, you go more on the offensive and, you know, you don't necessarily lead with it, but you also, mm-hmm. um, you also don't shy away from talking about it. And, and I, I just, I just realized that that is actually something you and I can relate very easily on. And I can, I know, because I know I have always, mm-hmm. uh, especially here in the Midwest where it's not very pop, you know, it'd be different if, out West, you know, there's a greater proportion that are, um, are mm-hmm. LDS out West. And, but mm-hmm. it's something I shy away. Like, and people, you know, ask, well, you have like 10 wives or what, you know, that sort of, you know, that sort of thing. Like, you know, they have, like I said, they have their stereotypes and, but now I'm much more comfortable with it as I'm sure you are with kind of um, explaining or not even explaining your lifestyle, but just, just living it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, you, you hit on a couple points there and you made some statements that are very applicable to both your your story as mine, you know, I think, you know, perception is that, you know, we are one certain thing, we are one certain type. Um, and that, that's just not the case. You know, you're the perception that, you, you know, the example you provided was, you know, people when they hear that you are LDS, that you've got mm-hmm. five wives or 10 wives, you know, and that's not the case. When people hear that I'm gay, they assume that I, you know, and, and one thing or another that I wear a specific type of clothing or that, you know, I have certain hobbies or, you know, this, that, and the other. And, and I think majority of the time, um, and you probably experience this as well as, as does the rest of your family or, or, you know, your community in the LDS is that when people will, you know, take five seconds to just get to know mm-hmm. who we are rather than getting to know what we are, they're much more receptive to, sitting down at our tables um, because that, that defensive wall that we have built up 
you know, we've, we've kind of built a door for them um, and said, you know, it's unlocked. You're welcome to come through. And I think it's important is to see people as individuals first, right? Like see, see that in not, Mm -hmm. it's just because somebody is, is, is gay or somebody is, is LDS or somebody is whatever, they don't all fit into the same mold. I mean, for the most part, uh, I mean, I think a lot of times they're just a microcosm of the society they live in. They just happen to be, you know, they mm-hmm. all happen within a certain community. They just all happen to share that certain thing. And there are some things that, you know, are more um, prominent in some communities versus others. Um, but, but we're individuals. People are individuals. And I think that's what's really, like, that doesn't really that gets lost a lot when you start um, talking about this kind of things, whether it be religion or sexual orientation, we just all expect somebody, we knew somebody one time that was like this. So we therefore expect everybody else. And you know, my, my biggest point of view shift um, on your, on, on, on the gay community changed when I read, I believe it, I believe it was a sports illustrated article and it was about, um, oh gosh, I can't remember what his name was. He was a Welsh rugby player. Gosh, I can't remember his name, but he, one of the, one of the first openly gay, um, male athletes, uh, oh gosh, mm-hmm. it's going to drive me nuts. Mm-hmm. I remember. And like, he did all the same things that his teammates did. They enjoyed it. And when he finally came out, nobody really cared that much. You know what I mean? Or cared at all to, to be honest. Right. You know, they, yeah. were, they still knew him as his nickname was Alfie Gareth Jones, I think was his name. Um, I think it just hit me. Okay. And, you know, they still saw him as the same guy as before. And, you know, he was married to mm-hmm. a woman and it, this happened in, in a marriage and, and, you know, he'd still talked about how he still, you know, had love for his wife. It just, his attraction was, was not, I don't know if it was, if it, if it changed or if it was always that way, I don't know. Um, I don't think he really even went into mm-hmm. that, um, but it mm-hmm. just, you know, he was still the same, he was still the same individual is just it just maybe he was felt more able to express himself if that makes sense right yeah oh yeah absolutely well and and i think it's you know to kind of piggyback off to you know where where you just left off a little bit and i think and and i hope it doesn't create too much controversy or you don't get too much hate mail uh maybe i will i don't know um, but I do think it's important to make the statement and, and, you know, and we've talked before um, and we'll talk again about, um, you know, the differences and, you know, you believe mm-hmm. what you do and I believe mm-hmm. what I do and that's okay because it's, it's my 100%. choice to believe yep. that it's your choice to believe what you do and, you know, and, and everybody else. Um, but, you know, I'd be remiss if, if I, if I let the, this episode end and, and our conversation end um, today without making the statement that, you know, being Mm -hmm. gay is not a choice, um, regardless of what people think. Um, and and I guess I'm going to preface the rest of my statement with this statement and that if you are not a member of the LGBTQ community, you don't understand that it's not a choice. Um, you know, I didn't wake up one day or I didn't, I didn't see somebody one day or something didn't happen to me one day where I just said, you know what? I think being gay is going to be a lot easier. I'm just going to go that route because I can tell you from somebody who grew up in the Midwest where, um, again, as a kid, I didn't see a lot of gay people, men or women. Um, I didn't know that they existed. And so for me, it was kind of like, I guess I, you know, if, if I could have chosen not to be called specific names growing up. If I could have chosen not to be ridiculed for the way I walked or the way I talked or who I hung out with, or the fact that I had, you know, I had more female friends than I did male friends um, up until like college, Um, you know? And so there were a lot, there was a lot of negativity thrown my way as there are a lot of people in in this community. Um, And so I I guess I, I say that to say, you know, if, if, if you could choose whether you wanted to be bullied your entire 
life as, as an adolescent until you found your voice or to not be bullied, I'm pretty sure we would Mm -hmm. all choose to not be bullied. And so that's kind of my argument towards it's not a choice um, because nobody would choose that. And nobody, whether they are or they aren't a part of the LGBTQ community, you you know, you you guys wouldn't choose to to be the receiver of any sort of, um, you know, ridicule or judgments or stereotypes towards your guys' hobbies or the fact that you raise cattle or your religion or, you know, so on and so forth why would we do it? So therefore, I mean, that's, I, like I said, I'd be remiss if I didn't make the statement. Um, but you know, one thing that I learned in accepting that other people are going to have opposing opinions and, and, and not just accepting it so that I don't have to deal with it, but truly in my heart, accepting differing opinions actually came from training that I had had, not, not training. That's not the right word from education that I'd received on how to talk to people about being a part of the beef community. You know, we, we have different sectors of the beef community. We've got, you know, the grass finished versus the grain finished, and we've got the GMOs and we've got, you know, X, Y, Z. And, you know, one thing that I learned as I started to educate, because again, I work with the youth, I'm trying to do my best to prepare them for the future, regardless of whether they stay in the, the beef community or whether they become doctors or lawyers or teachers or stay at home moms or dads or, you know, so on and so forth. Something that we have to do is we have to understand that there is a shared passion and there is a shared value in every relationship we come across. You know, uh, I believe one of the things that you and I actually bonded over first was our love of running um, or, you know, an attraction to running. And, and that's how it is with everybody. You know, there, there's going to be people that don't agree with the way that you raise your cattle or the way I raise my cattle or, you know, so on and so forth. But what we can all agree with is that we want to provide our family with the healthiest options that we wish to. Um, and that, you know, getting a good understanding of that really does tie almost identically into how I choose to engage or disengage with, re- with, conversations that people want to have about being openly gay in the Mm -hmm. agricultural community. We are not always going to agree, but I guarantee you that some of the concerns that I have as a human being are the same concerns that somebody else has. Some of my hobbies are going to tie directly into some of their hobbies or, you know, you know, I'm the youngest of four. I have a brother and two sisters. Do you have a brother and a sister? Sure. Great. Let's talk about what it was like growing up being the youngest and, and getting everything we wanted or, you know, getting the hand-me-down, so on and so mm-hmm. forth. I mean, there's something to be shared with every relationship. And I think if that, if people would adopt that mindset first and find the common ground, the uncommon ground would be less rocky to discuss. It would become less taboo to bring up at the dinner table or to talk to our kids about, or, you know, to bring up at the board meeting. Um, I think if we could focus on the common ground first, regardless of what differences we have, the uncommon ground becomes a little smoother. Yeah. And I think that's, what's really cool about this conversation that you and I are having tonight is, and what we're talking about. Yeah. We're talking about, um, we're, we're talking about your experience as a gay man and what that's been like for you and, um, and everything. But the, the things that we're talking about is, you know, you and I don't probably agree on the lifestyle and that's fine because nobody right. asks mm-hmm. us to agree. Nobody asks us to agree, agree on it. Right. I mean, exactly. but we do, exactly. we have way more things that we do agree on. And why not focus on those? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, to, the way I see it, the things that we don't agree on don't matter. They don't matter. It doesn't matter that you and I don't agree on that because um, guess what? Right. You and I aren't the ones that are going to um, live together. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. so why do I care what you do yeah. with your life? I don't. Um, it's your decision. And I, I 100% back you and, and, and want you to be able to make your own decisions for what's best for your health. Um, but at the same time, I want to focus on the things that we do agree on, which we, we do enjoy running. I don't enjoy running as much as I used to. Maybe it's because I'm getting old. I don't either. You don't? <laughs> 
weird. <laughs> I was just talking. I just bought a new pair of running shoes last week because I and I I selfishly told myself that if I bought it again, I'll want to go out. Uh, they got here over the weekend, and I I tried them on in the house, and uh, that's about as far as they've gone. But yeah, I mean you're 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 on the you're on the exact same track that I am, Jason. In that it, it doesn't matter. Like you know, I I hate to make it elementary because it's not, but like who cares? Who cares? Who cares? Who cares? Yeah, no, you're, you're yeah, right. like you know, if 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 what I do professionally, and if my education, and if my character, and who I who I am as a human being can benefit you, please come talk to me. Like I would love to help you become the best version of yourself, whatever that version may be. It should not matter Mm-mm. on either side of the road you stand on what we are. It's who we are that should be the focus of every relationship and every connection, every handshake that we have. Well, because it should be about who we are and not what we are. Because we're humans. Take everything away. Exactly. Strip everything we away. Are, we're human beings. We are people. We are people. We have we being members of the LGBTQ community, members of the LDS community, members of any community. We are people. We have feelings. We have goals, we have families, we have aspirations, and we have a story to tell. And if people could just, people in general, if they could just pause for five seconds and put the disagreements and the, you know, the, the idea that I don't agree with you on this, therefore I can't have anything to do with you, if they would just burn that mindset we would be on the road to a better life for everybody because I mean, you said it yourself, you and I do not agree on, on the lifestyle that I'm living Mm -hmm. and look at, look at what we're doing right now. We are having a professional, polite conversation. We are friends. We have connected over 800 other things and guess what? We still have this disagreement and that's okay. okay. It is okay. And I think that's, what's really key for people to understand in no matter what, like you said, no matter what side, like it's okay for people to disagree on things. I, we, because we are, we're individuals. We're going to have our own personal convictions. We're all going to have our own personal um, crosses to bear. And that's that, but that doesn't mean that because we have these differences that there always has to be this constant contention. No, you know, mm-hmm. and I've had other people on the podcast too who uh, I vehemently disagree with on certain things, um, mm-hmm. but we agree on stuff enough to have forty-five minutes an hour-long podcast. So I mean, like, right. it is it is okay to be to disagree on things that the world, and I think it's a big thing is the world wants us to be divided. I mean, not, I mean, not, they they do. do. People want us to be divided. And if we focus Mm -hmm. on the device divisiveness, then it's just going to keep polarizing, keep tearing us apart. But what we, what we should do is instead fight back against that and go to the things that we do agree on. And that's what needs to be important. That's what needs to be given the attention. Right. Exactly. You're exactly right. Cause you know, if, if we were to follow what, you know, quote unquote, the world wants us to be, you know, they, they, like you said, they want us to fight. They want us to disagree, you know, and and you're going to regret, you know, if the world was a perfect place, there'd still be disagreements, but you know, that is the beauty of the world that we live in. And that's the, you know, the idea is that we are all individuals. We, you know, you and I have said that multiple times on the, on, on this conversation, let alone how many times in our entire lives, we are individuals. If everybody was the same, how boring of a life would that be? So boring. Why can we not embrace the difference, accept the difference, and allow people to do and be what they want to be that makes them happy? And, And I guess that also, you know, on the flip side of that, if you are... Uh, you know, a member of the LGBTQ community or a member of, you know, any other community, be who you are first. And if people have an issue with that, let them have an issue with that. That's okay. But you cannot let a differing in opinion, you cannot let the ridicule of others 
determine your happiness. And I think that is, that's something Jason that, and I, I, I don't know if I've even talked to you about it lately is, you know, here, not too long ago, less than about a month and a half ago, I was struggling a lot. And I, and I don't, I don't think that it was directly tied to the fact that, you know, I struggled as a kid, as a, you know, as a, as a closeted gay person. Um, but if, you know, if I were to sit down and really hone in on where the, the root of the problem was, a lot of my anxiety probably started there. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously there's a lot of, a lot of games that play, but you know, about a month and a half ago, I, as often as I listen to your podcast and I told you like a year or two ago, every would fold the mail in my, you know, when I was still working in the office, I would have Monday morning mental health <laughs> with Jason because I would listen to uh-huh. your podcast every Monday while I folded the mail in our office. Um, and, you know, I, I hear other people's, you know, their fight with depression or, you know, their coping with it, so on and so forth. And I thought, man, how strong are they? Well, about half ago, I was really struggling mm-hmm. and I had been struggling for a while. And Kevin talked me into it and he said, you know, you just go talk to somebody, just go see, you know, it's what is the harm in talking to somebody about the way you're feeling, the way you are, you know, the changes that you're seeing in yourself, so on and so forth. A month and a half ago, I got diagnosed with clinical depression and I've been taking a pill every morning. And, you know, it was one of those things that I was so terrified, even after listening to the countless conversations that you've had with people um, on your podcast and the people that I know personally that have, you know, struggled with depression. I still, I, you know, and I'm, I'm almost ashamed of myself. And I thought I can't, I cannot be one of those people. I'm the strong one. I'm the one that, you know, I, I can't be, that can't be me. Well, guess what, Jake, it is you. You do have depression mm-hmm. and you are struggling with it and you're coping with it. But, you know, and, and we, Kevin and I joke about it and we do joke about it freely because I, I have accepted that this is just a chapter in my life. And, um, you know, we joke about it, you know, sometimes when we wake up in the morning, he'll ask me, you know, make sure you take today. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. and, and we, we're, you know, we don't make light of, of the situation because it is a conversation that people need to have more openly. Um, you know, whether for regardless of what brought them to that stage of their life. Um, but it's something that I, you know, I'm learning to deal with. And I do think it's, like I said, I think it stems from the anxiety that was almost, you know, not, not beat into me. I wasn't ever physically beat. I don't want to say that, but you know, it, it was almost like self-inflicted in myself when I was younger sure. yeah, and yeah. I, that I still hold on to. And now I've got to be that perfect person. I've got to be I've got to be that, that masculine man now that I'm in the ag world, you know, and when I don't do that, I, I get nervous and I, I oh, break gosh. down and, you know, this, that, and the other. And, and so it's one of those things that I, that's I think it did. It stemmed from being the self-induced anxiety that I got as a kid, but it, it and now it's, now here it is manifesting itself as a 31 year old, mm-hmm. very confident in who I am. I'm open, but here it is. And, and we're facing it and we're dealing with it as a family. Um, but it's, it, it, it is one of those things that you just, you have to take the time to accept who you are and, and the cards that you were dealt and you've got to be okay with those, whether they're what you wanted or what you thought you needed or not, mm-hmm. you got to play yeah. them and you got to play them to the best of your ability. And it's not, nobody should ever be ashamed of asking for help or, or putting out their hand and offering help. Right. Either. Right. No, you're, you're a hundred percent right. And you know, I, I probably don't share enough how much I, how much and often I struggle. You know, I almost sometimes talk about my struggles as if they were a past thing. Um, and they're not, I, I mm-hmm. struggle not as often as I once did, but I do struggle from time to time. And, and believe it or not, Jake, our struggles are probably more similar than you might think in the fact that, you know, sometimes they have to do with this, with the ag community and the fact that sometimes I don't feel as if I fit in. And, you know, what's crazy to me is, is if there anybody that should feel like they fit in, it should be me. I mean, it's, um, you know, I was raised on this, I'm, I'm the, one of many in my family who do the exact same thing I do. Um, I have a herd of, uh, you know, of over a hundred cows, I mean, I have a lot, you know, I mean, so if somebody, but sometimes I still don't feel like I belong or I still have that like imposter syndrome around it. Um, and I, you know, sometimes it's worse. Some days are better than others, or I should say some days are worse than others. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, 
you know, I, and it, it, it happens probably not probably, it definitely happens more than I probably let on. Um, and I'm, I'm trying really hard mm-hmm. to not to be more real about it, but, um, but yeah, I, I still struggle and I still, I still see a, I see a counselor, uh, once a week now, I, you know, that's something mm-hmm. I changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's something I always said that didn't work very well for me. Well, then I tried it again and, uh, it actually does work really well for me just to, you know, just yeah. all that stuff out because I have a mind that races, um, and I can't always like, I, I can't always just say what I'm on my mind to anybody. So that's why, uh, a therapist comes in very handy in this kind of situation, Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it should be noted that there are therapists who, who specialize in, in, um, in LGBTQ stuff. Um, you know, every time I, so I actually use a site called better help. And one of the things that it asks mm-hmm. is, you know, is that something that you want to talk about? Or is that, is that something that you uh, want to have a therapist who specializes in and so i think it's really important that people to, to bring it all the way back to the to you know kind of what we were originally talking about that you know there are people out there who are willing to help talk you through whatever your struggles are yeah yeah there are and and you know it's it's one of those things that i guess you know you if you're not willing to go see the you know quote unquote professionals you know the 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 therapist the the you know psychoanalysis you know whatever it may be talk to somebody, anybody, you know, I guess, um, you know, and, and I'm not sure how the, how the follow-up on this works, whether, you know, my email thrown out there, or, you know, with my Facebook, whatever, but you know, if, if there's, if there's somebody listening right now that is out or not out and either is a member of the, you know, agricultural community or isn't, and if they're not, and it's because they're afraid that there's not somebody else out there like them, I'm here to tell you that there is, and they are abundant and they want to be there for you. They want to cheer you on as you members that are, as you people that are not members of the LGBTQ community. We have allies in the agricultural community. Jason, I consider you an ally of our community just because you don't agree with it. The fact that you are willing to sit down and have a conversation like this, the fact that you are willing to openly call me a friend, you are an ally. So I don't know if you've ever considered yourself that or not you're an ally. And so for those listeners that are not in the community, they're not out. And it may be because they just haven't taken the time to ask somebody questions or to tell their story or to share those concerns. I'm, you know, I'm going to put it out there. I'm always willing to listen. You know, God gave us two ears and a mouth for a reason. Mm -hmm. Let me be a sounding board for you. If nothing else, just somebody for you to type it out to press send. If you don't want a response, put, please don't respond. If you just need to get it out there. You know, I, I had those people for me and that's why I'm, I'm still here today. That's why I'm still having these conversations today is because I had a support system and I had a sounding board. And if somebody doesn't currently just know that I'm, I am willing to be a sounding board for whoever that may be. Again, whether you're a part of the community or you're not, or you want to learn a little bit more about my story or not, you know, you've, you've got to have somebody to talk to, whether whether they've got a PhD or not, there's people here willing to help. That's great. And it's what it's, you know, that's, and to kind of sum it all up, like no matter what your struggle is, no matter what it is, I can guarantee you there's somebody else who shares that struggle with you in some way or another. You know, they may not, li- they might not live in the same house as you. They may not even live in the same community you do, but there's somebody somewhere out there. And that's the beauty of this connected world is we can find those people who do struggle similarly to us and are willing to talk to us about it. You just, you just have to kind of seek them out and, you know, having conversations like this one we're having here tonight. Uh, that's really, I mean, that's, that's how, that's how a lot of um that's how a lot of people kind of find solace and find and is is that starting point for uh them to seek help in getting better um is just to hear hear two people talking and that's 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 so important and that's you know and that's why i wanted to have this conversation is is because i know i i know that there are people who struggle like you did at one time and whether i whether i agree with it or not 
I still want people to get the help that they need. I still want people to have the support mm-hmm. that they need. So I want, I want, that's why I wanted to have this conversation with you. And, you know, we've t- actually talked about this conversation since almost the beginning of, of, of the podcast um, that, you know, you and I have kind of discussed having this. And I, I don't know if I was just, if, if I, I wasn't comfortable with having it yet or not, um, but just, it's felt right that it should happen now. And I, I, I appreciate like, you being willing to put yourself out there and opening yourself up and talking about this thing that I'm sure, you know, I'm sure it's very easy now for you to talk about, but it wasn't always, you know, and in the same way as it wasn't, it wasn't always easy for me to talk about my struggles, um, but it is easier now. But the fact that it's easy for you now, it might give somebody the next, that little extra step that they need to reach out and get help with whatever, uh, whatever, whatever it is, you know, it doesn't have to be right. You know, their, 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 their attraction feelings or whatever. I mean, it, it, I mean, of course that we want those people too, uh, but we want whatever you're struggling with that know that there's people like you who are struggling. Right. You're, you're a hundred percent correct on that, Jason. And I think, you know, exactly, you know, to follow up with that, you know, and referencing that, that story that I told previously, you know, there was that commercial, if you can see her, you can be here. And I didn't have that growing up. And that is why, you know, when you approached me, however long ago it was about just the idea of coming on the podcast and telling my story, I thought, here's my chance. You know, I didn't see her, therefore, I didn't think I could be her. Um, You know, here's Jason giving me an opportunity to be him. So other people can see him. And so, you know, and that also, you know, him, her, um, but you know, I'm, I, I think, and maybe I'm just not in the right, um, you know, sector, friend circle, whatever you want to call it. You know, there may be a lot more people sharing their story on platforms or, you know, as guest speakers, panelists, whatever it may be as openly gay men and women to a listening audience, whether it is through a podcast or a convention or a panel, whatever that are not but I don't see it very often. And so I knew I had to jump at this opportunity, not just because I'm a huge fan and huge supporter of the podcast, but also because, yeah, (laughs) you're welcome. I I do. I love it. I absolutely love listening to, you know, other, and and that I don't mean it negatively. I love listening to other people's struggles and their triumphs Mm -hmm. from Mm -hmm. that because it's a reminder that, that, you know, there is more, there is another day. Um, hopefully for everybody out there. But I, I, I jumped on the opportunity because I think if people would be more receptive, if other organizations, small or large, would be open to the idea of bringing in somebody like myself, I guess, or, you know, another individual of the LGBT, LGBTQ community or any other differing community or mindset of ideals, if they'd be more willing to sit down and have a professional conversation like you and I are having today, the conversations would become less taboo. There would be less uncomfortability in asking the questions, but also in answering those questions. Sure. I a hundred percent. Well, we've actually kind of ran over on time, which why wouldn't we, we have just so much great things to talk about, but uh, you know, Absolutely. You have a farm. I have a farm. You have a family. I have a family. So uh, we want to be respectful to them. And because I'm sure we could sit sit here all night and talk about stuff. So um, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. So where where, if people want to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah. So, um, you know, I I don't have any like major I don't have my own websites or any of that kind of business, uh, you know, avenue of connection but i i i am on facebook you can find me on there i I believe i'm not hidden in any sort of shape or form um just on there is jake w renner on facebook you're welcome to shoot me a message that way um i do have on the side my own graphic design business called rural connections um you can find me on that facebook page or instagram um but you know and kevin and i if you'd like to follow along with our story um our farm story more specifically um because that's what that that avenue and that platform is for is telling our farm story. 
um, we are on Facebook and Instagram as Riverside Club Lamb. Um, Cause not only do we raise cattle, we raise almost 200 head of club lamb ewes. So, wow. you know, we're, we're trying to, trying to get ourselves out there a little bit, but also, you know, if anybody just kind of wants to follow us along um, and maybe find that, that shared connection, um, those would probably be the three places you could find me. We'll, uh, I'll link everything in, in the show notes and in a, in a, the blog post and everywhere, uh, where they can find you and have an easy access to, to reach out to you. Fantastic. Well, Jake, my friend, it was a pleasure. I, I, I supremely enjoyed our conversation tonight. Absolutely. And I, I can't thank you enough for giving me the opportunity to, to share my story as both an openly gay man and as a transplant to the industry. Yeah, of course. I appreciate it very much. Of course. Of course. Well, you take care, man. And I uh, wish you all the best. Thank you, sir. We'll see you down the road. I'm sure. Yes, sir. Thanks for listening to Ag State of Mind. We hope this episode has encouraged you. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Ag State of Mind. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify so you never miss an episode. See you next week.